Holy God, bless these gifts. Bless the givers. Bless this offering that you may use it for your loving service. Amen. Please be seated. So, we finally come to the conclusion of our very long series on Ambitious Church. We've been at this for 11 weeks, y'all. We started way back in August on the Welcome Back Sunday as we welcomed back all of our ASU college students. And so I want to give you just a reminder of all of the different foundational blocks that we've talked about that have been important for any church that longs to be, strives to be an ambitious church. So that includes first we began with being a distinctive community. Being an ambitious church asks us to be distinctive in how we interact and treat one another. An ambitious church is scriptural. It makes disciples. It values its worship together. It builds strong relationships with one another. An ambitious church evangelizes. It also serves others. It prays. It also practices personal holiness And last week we talked about an ambitious church is generous. It gives. So today we add our very last characteristic. An ambitious church is also a church that waits expectantly for God's kingdom to come. It not only waits, but it helps out with the coming. So let's see what scripture has to teach us this morning about that. Both of our scripture passages come from the Gospel of Matthew. First, a teaching in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. Jesus said, Pray like this, Our Father who is in heaven, uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom so that your will is done on earth as it's done in heaven. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive us for the ways we have wronged you, just as we also forgive those who have wronged us. And don't lead us into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Then a teaching, a parable from Matthew 13, verse 33. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast, which a woman took and hid in a bushel of wheat flour until the yeast had worked its way through all the dough. This is the word of God for all God's people. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I think I can do this and it works, but I invite you to take a big breath in. And what do you smell? Can you all smell it over there? Yes. Bread baking. I'm not actually a big bread fan, but I love that smell. It's one of the most comforting smells in the world. 
So this morning we are trying to worship with all of our senses. And so I invite you to just continue to reflect as we smell the bread baking in our sanctuary and as we think about what scripture has to teach us as it relates to us through this common, ordinary, important, tangible item, bread, bread. So the first scripture that I wanna talk about is one of Jesus's parables. It's only one sentence long, but man, does Jesus pack a lot into that one sentence. And I know some of you are sitting there thinking, I sure wish she could pack a whole sermon into one sentence, but clearly I am not Jesus. This is one of several parables in a row in which he is talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is such a fantastic concept and it's a new concept so that the disciples, they're trying to understand what does he mean by this? Jesus gives lots of examples and teachings to paint the full picture. But let's see what today's lesson teaches us. What glimpse do we get from this parable about what the kingdom of God, the coming kingdom might look like? So it is the parable of the leaven. Now, this is an important point. I got several kind of things to lift out out of this one verse. It really is amazing. But the kingdom of God is what the woman does with the yeast. It's not the yeast itself. Oftentimes these parables are likening the kingdom of God is like, and then gives an example. And we think it's going to be the yeast, right? Because we know what yeast does. You add just a little bit of yeast into the dough. It works itself into the dough and then it helps the dough to rise. And you only need a little bit to make that dough rise. It accomplishes this good and amazing thing. But that's not the point here. The point is what the woman does with the yeast. And so that brings us to the second point. What is the verb here? that Jesus uses to describe that. The verb was hid. The woman hid the yeast. Um, it, you would expect the word kneaded or worked the yeast into the dough, but it was hid. And so the implication here is that the kingdom of God is something that is at work even though it is hidden in the world. Well, why? Why would that be? Well, the important part to understand here is that it is hidden because it has not yet come to full fruition. The kingdom is working, it is happening, it is um, taking place all around us, but oftentimes in hidden and unrecognizable ways until God is ready for the full kingdom to be seen, to be complete. But the point is that God is at work right now right now bringing forth the kingdom. It began the moment Jesus entered into our world and it has continued to build and work a lot like the way yeast works itself through the dough. But it will not come to fruition until Jesus comes again. In the meantime, God is working in the world in ways we might not recognize, but as we speak, the third interesting point about this parable is that this is unusual in that the parable talks about yeast in a positive way. Most times when we look in the New Testament and, and yeast is mentioned, it's actually a negative thing. It's mentioned in negative ways by both Paul and his teachings and even by Jesus himself. 
What is fascinating is, once again, Jesus takes an idea, a typical concept, and turns it upside down. He does the unexpected. So if the purpose of yeast is that just a little bit, a little amount can work its way through a whole bunch of dough, then you can see how this work for both, works for both good and bad. A little bit of misinformation or false teaching can work its way into a community and wreak havoc or confusion. Often this is what Paul and Jesus were warning of. 1 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8 talks about, don't you know that a tiny grain of yeast makes a whole batch of dough rise? Clean out the old yeast so you can be a new batch of dough. Let's celebrate the feast with the unleavened bread of honesty and truth, not with old yeast or with the yeast of evil and wickedness. And even Jesus in Matthew says in 16.6, watch out and be on your guard for the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But it can also work for the positive. And that's Jesus's point here. Just a little bit of good can gradually work its way through a person or a whole community and overcome sin and evil in our midst. It can. One commentary made this comparison. It's like a preacher who uh, preaches to a congregation of 25 in a city of 2 million. But she keeps preaching, keeps preaching to that congregation and little by little, the whole city receives and accepts the gospel and the good news of Jesus until God's word has finally worked its way through the whole city like yeast does to a batch of dough. And the final and most positive and beautiful part of this um, parable is the surprising extravagance of the coming kingdom. And we might not know that if we don't know about baking bread and the measurements in that, that one verse. But the, the measurement that the scripture refers to of flour is actually equal to 10 gallons or 50 pounds of flour. So this would bake enough bread for 150 people. So for one woman to be working with that much flour, she has either lost her mind or she is baking for the kingdom bakery because it implies preparing for a feast, an extravagant celebration. It implies that when God's kingdom comes, the crowds will be large. This woman is preparing for abundance, not scarcity. It's going to be a party where everyone is welcomed. So we hold this teaching then from the parable of the leaven. And now let's look at our other teaching where God gives the disciples the Lord's Prayer. Matthew's version of this, uh, of the Lord's Prayer is the one that the church eventually adopted and began to use in regular worship for about the past thousand years, um, based on, interestingly, uh, translation from Wycliffe and a couple of other English translations in the 13 and 1500s. Interestingly, not the King James Version, and that's why we tend to say most of us say trespasses and not debts. But Jesus based this prayer, the format of the prayer was very much like Jewish prayers that were used in worship. It's a very familiar format um, to, to Jews when they think about their own prayers for worship. But there's so much we could talk about here that I'm only going to highlight a couple of things. And the first is obviously connecting with our theme today. We pray every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, God's kingdom come. 
You know, that's a reminder that it's not our agenda. It's God's agenda. It's God's will. It's God's hope, God's will, God's kingdom to come. And the prayer is on earth as in heaven. So this is an important idea that is not just this future event and future a place and this world we live in is just sinful and broken and yuck. The prayer is that earth and heaven will come together, that they will reflect one another, um, that um, the goodness of heaven will also be part of the goodness of earth. But one of the main ideas of the kingdom of God is that it is the already but the not yet. We've already talked about that a little bit, but is this sense of a future event, the second coming of Jesus when the kingdom will come to full fruition and that hadn't happened yet. So we are expecting this future event. But in the meantime, there's a little bit of already that's happening. Jesus has come. Jesus has begun some of this work. We have moments when we glimpse the kingdom of God. Can you think of a time when you were like, whoa, this is a kingdom moment. This is what the kingdom of God's gonna look like. And we experience a little bit of this already. But it is a not yet, because it has not come to fruition. And so as we pray this prayer, we have this sense of this expectation that we are longing for, but we're also asking for our own will to be aligned to God's will. For I love that song, the second song that we sang, that God would use us to align to part of what God needs us to do and be to do that kingdom work that we know is already taking place. And I would be remiss as we smell the baking of the bread not to remind us that when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we also ask for our daily bread. We ask for all that we need. Maybe not all that we want, because we know that God provides all that we need. So what does this have to do with stewardship? Because this is kind of the culmination of our stewardship uh, season for this year. And today is Commitment Sunday, and there's some beautiful overlaps here. First of all, we do own and name that God is already at work, bringing forth God's kingdom. And if we know that that is taking place, then stewardship is an invitation for us to be partners with God. Um, what... Um, Grace shared with us when she gave part of her her testimony. She said those words. We didn't plan it, but it was great that we have the opportunity to be a partner with God in this kingdom work. And in fact, our stewardship is an expression of expecting and expressing God's kingdom in the already, but the not yet. That we have a chance to begin to participate in Um, building up God's kingdom right now, right now, that's step by step working towards that full kingdom coming. Now, let's be clear though. God is the ultimate one that makes the kingdom come to fruition. That is not us. That is not our job. That is not our responsibility. We are simply helpers, partners. We are instruments that God can use to break in and to impact people's lives and the world and to continue to tell the story of the good news of Jesus Christ. 
And so finally, our invitation to be part of stewardship as a discipleship practice is that it's an expression of hiding that yeast in the world. So when we offer our gifts, when we offer our financial contributions and commitments to what God is doing here in this church, it's our way of hiding the yeast in the dough of the world. We get to be part of that. We get to do that. So as we think about our own contributions, though, to God's kingdom's coming, I know some of you are going, ugh, yeah, but my contribution really doesn't amount to that much. It's certainly not enough to bring on this massive celebration and future expectation that we're talking about. It's not nearly enough to pull that off. But please don't underestimate the importance of your participation and your contribution to God's good work. Remember this, small efforts can have a huge impact. So a preacher reflected on a funeral he conducted for a man who helped develop the Boeing 747 aircraft. So that was the uh, first wide-body commercial airplane. Uh, it, It began to fly in 1950. I mean, 1970, it's flown for 50 years. It truly was amazing when that thing pulled off the ground. And so after the funeral was over, he went to talk to the man's wife to say, that just must have been amazing for him to be part of that with his work. And she said, well, you know what? The interesting thing is he, he spent 15 years working on nothing but a switch box. That was his, his task. He worked on nothing but a switch box for, um, for the airplane. But when that airplane pulled off the ground, it was the proudest moment of his life. And you see, that airplane could not have pulled off the ground unless he had done the work that he had been doing for all of those years. Often we see our seemingly small efforts and feel that they aren't very important. But when the great kingdom of God lifts off, we'll be thrilled to find out that all of our efforts All of our efforts were essential to God's kingdom. So we prepare in a little bit to offer our contributions to God's kingdom work of what God's already doing in our midst here at Boone UMC. And I invite you to think about one last thing this morning. As we smell the baking bread, I want to invite you to think about all of the ways that that reminds us of how God provides for us. All that we need, our daily bread. When we think about all that God has done for us, are we grateful? Are we truly grateful? Can we distinguish the difference between what we need and what we want? Or maybe more importantly, what God sees that we truly need in our lives to help us be and live as faithful disciples for Jesus. So Roy Campanella was one of the first African-American baseball players to play in the major leagues in the United States. And his uh, distinguished career was at the Brooklyn Dodgers. He was voted most valuable player many times. He was part of the 1955 World Series team. But in 1958, uh, his baseball career came to a tragic end as he was in a car accident that turned him into a paraplegic. So we spent a lot of time uh, going to the Institute of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation in New York City. And he noticed there a plaque on the wall. 
that he read, and since he had been gifted uh, to be this professional baseball player, this particular plaque, the words on it, were, were meaningful to him. And here's what it said. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn to, hum- to humbly obey. I asked for health that I might do great things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. And I asked for power that I might have the praise of others. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing I asked for, but everything I had hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among men most richly blessed. So friends, I invite you today to celebrate all the ways in which you are richly blessed. Maybe ways especially in which uh, those blessings surprise you. The ways that you weren't um, expecting, it wasn't exactly what you'd hoped for. Maybe not been part of your original dreams for your life, but you've been blessed nonetheless. And one way that we do that is oftentimes is through our prayer. And today of all days, as we have studied a little bit of the Lord's Prayer, I want us to pray the Lord's Prayer together. And we're going to do that by singing. We've done this one time before, so some of you may remember. But I like to do this because it slows us down. It makes us think about the words in ways that we don't when we normally are um, praying um, those familiar words. But I invite you to think about what are the ways that this prayer is being fulfilled in your life right now? What are ways that um, you are hoping for it to be fulfilled? What phrases jump out at you? So I'm going to sing it. You're going to sing with me. I'll sing a phrase. You'll echo me. Uh, The one thing I ask is that you try and hold the note while I'm singing. I'll hold my note while you're singing. And it creates this kind of Gregorian drone chant sound that will fill the sanctuary. And it will create this beautiful spirit of prayer. And I'm going to wander around because it's going to be hard enough to listen to me. Um, Pray it. I invite you to pray it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom
continue the spirit of prayer invite you to prepare your commitment cards um, if you left yours at home that's sitting on your kitchen table and you need one to fill out today please raise your hand right now and our ushers have some extras and are happy 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 to get one in your hands the invitation will be that when I stop talking here in a second um, to bring your cards forward, place them in the baskets. Um, you may do that as a family. You may send a representative up. Um, you may want to come and pray on our chancel rails, and um, we're happy for you to do that. Um, I ask you to not only pray for your own gift that you are giving, but let's pray for all the gifts for all morning long that um, our church family are offering up that these gifts may be the yeast that is hidden in the dough that God is using to help further the kingdom of God in our midst. So friends, I invite you. You don't have to dance down the aisle like we saw last week with brother, um, um, oh, I forgot his name, Lawrence. Um, but I hope you will come with joy as you are invited to be a partner in God's kingdom work. God's kingdom to come.